Hello, everyone, and welcome to another version or another episode of our podcast called The Edge. Today, I'm really happy to welcome uh, Mr. Alex Martin. Welcome, Alex. Hey, how you doing? Um, so as normal with this podcast, I'm, I'm going to ask you the, the leading question, as I do with everyone else, kind of give us a bit of background on you and let, let us know kind of how you got into industry and why. Ah, okay. So um, I'm I'm very much in cybersecurity, um, and I come from a, from a different uh, different angle. So I've always wanted to sort of have that technical uh, technical lead. Always wanted to be in support. Always wanted to kind of fix the problems, and had kind of a, a bit of a uh, uh, I don't know a like for for IT. I mean, it almost got bashed out of me as we've gone through the the the, the time in the industry. But uh, I was always interested in it, and um, I had the opportunity to join a small cybersecurity company um, some 20 odd years ago, uh, but not in their technical side, but in their sales and commercial side. Um, found out very quickly that this doesn't stop and works very well and people tend to listen to it uh, and uh, got stuck in the position for the last 20 odd years. But I've spent a long time spending a long time, I've spent a long time um, focusing on the technical side as well as the commercial side, you know, being able to, I think, being able to talk about the subject matter um, as in depth as possible, and being knowledgeable about the subject matter means that you are a more believable and trustworthy individual in the cyber community and ecosystem. So I think, I mean, you're well known in the UK, and you're well known for, I guess, being wearing large crazy t-shirts or, or shirts i mean <laughs> so i mean when i first met you i met you at infosec and then we did another event recently where you happened to be there and you wore some really crazy hawaiian shirts so i certainly know that that do you think that helps you be in that kind of i don't want to say loud because you're you're a bit of a gentle giant for anyone that knows you or at least i assume you are but do you do you think that that kind of outgoing and friendly personality. I mean, when we were at InfoSec, we had a bit of banter across the kind of the aisle, and I was really, and that's why we're talking now. I mean, I got to know you. And IT and security is a difficult place to be, and I know that there are a lot of introverts, actually, that are in, in, in this kind of role that we do. And I just wondered if you think that maybe being like a bit more outgoing has helped you or is it a hindrance? How do you think that's kind of played uh, out? Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I'm in sales. Um, so, you know, it's definitely not a hindrance being outgoing and an extrovert and, you know, this huge, big personality, you know, to, to be to be um, the loudest person in a loud room, that's what sales is all about, you know, being, being heard and standing up and being seen and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think what it's helped me to do um, in the last um, in the last two years, I've been sort of building on my my personal brand in the UK, and uh, now trying to sort of push that further if I possibly can. Um, and being this sort of um, large, tallish, broadish, loud-shirted wearing individual, um, it sets me aside from the rest of the crowd. For starters, people recognise me, people remember me. But also it gives me a platform to um, be able to um, raise the awareness in the industry about certain topics that are ongoing, uh, certain issues that we're all experiencing. And also then to kind of say, well, look, you know, for those who are wanting to join the industry, who 
else would you want to go and speak to than somebody who's very much outbound, very much uh, a large personality, somebody who wants to be able to train you and mentor you and, and, and get the best out of you possible to push you on in your career as well. I mean, again, there are, there are coping techniques that I'm sure introverts can, can probably bring to that uh, mentoring place. But I think from a, a personality perspective an extrovert's definitely the one you want to go for because they're going to give you that, that, that bubble, that, um, that, 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 um, that vigor to, to push your career forward. So, I mean, to, to kind of lead on from that, I mean, I know that you give up quite a lot of your time to help others. And one of the things that I've found, and I know that John's found as well, is we've kind of crossed over from being in corporates. And I certainly found corporates, being in that, that kind of area, I didn't get the kind of help and support that I feel that I get now in cyber. I mean, mm. I don't really want to differentiate between cyber and kind of IT security because I've grown up with security. It's only recently that it's been called cyber. Mm. But I've definitely mm. found there's people like you and, and there's a few other people in the UK that are similar. There's there's a number in the US. And, and people are very willing to give up valuable time. And, and what I mean by valuable time is we are busy. This, these areas that people are focusing are busy and, and are quite, I guess, quite scary, quite stressful. I mean, we've talked about burnout. We've talked about all those things before. Yeah. So, and I know you've got a family, a relatively young family. So why did you choose to be as involved in that kind, like mentoring and coaching and helping others? And there's other stuff you do. So why, what, what led you to do that? So, so, um, I suppose let's start on the on the coaching and the mentoring side of things. So uh, very early in my career, and 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 don't get me wrong, you know, um, I, I'm in sales. I keep coming back to that. I'm in sales. We are the scourge of the world, and I have burnt my soul completely. I'm now trying to, you know, um, um, trying to make amends uh, and appease the gods of cyber by giving back to the industry. Um, but very early on in my career, I'd say probably within the first sort of like five or six years, uh, I was in my early 20s um, and I was working for an organization where um, some of the top guys in the organization were, were very successful at what they were doing and, and had some rather large accounts that they were working on, for example, right? And I was always intrigued as to how they built that relationship, how they engaged with those individuals. And, you know, I wanted to learn. I didn't want to be managed specifically i'm going to use that i didn't want to be managed i wanted to be mentored i wanted somebody sit with me and talk me through the theoretical behind it walk me through the engagement with the individuals sit with me to to talk and analyze what i was doing to get the better out of me to push me forward and it never happened i never got that mentorship i had to get to that point through blood sweat and toil over the last 20 years I've subsequently looked back and realized that actually it was just good luck. There wasn't actually mentoring that that individual probably could have given me. It was just good luck that they had managed to land certain accounts at that specific time. No skill realistically involved. Um, so that's a whole different story. But because of that, that's always stuck in my mind. And in the last couple of years, it's really dawned on me that there is a large swathe of individuals who are coming into this industry who, like you say, might be uh, introverted, 
might be a little bit apprehensive. Again, it's a strong topic to try and get into. It's very broad as well in its in its nature. Um, and there's a lot of people who don't necessarily know how to make themselves known in the 21st century with social media as it is and all that kind of stuff to differentiate themselves from anybody else. So what you've got, you've got maybe this, the swathe of individuals coming through universities all doing very well, all getting their uh, diplomas and PhDs and whatever else that they need. But when they hit industry, haven't got a clue how to differentiate themselves from the next individual who's also of the same caliber. You know, there was a, a phraseology I heard a couple of years ago about hyper-competitiveness, hyper, not just competitiveness and that top tier of, of the best of the best coming through university, but hyper-competitiveness, where they're all, they are the, the, the top layer of cream on the cream, but they're all in that same position. And at the point in time when they come and join industry, how do they differentiate themselves? So I think for me, again, having spent 20 years learning my trade, what I would like to do is give somebody the cheat codes, the book, the cheat, the cheat book. How can you get ahead quicker? You know, and seeing then somebody, uh, seeing somebody um, who's going through the motions and being successful is genuinely a great reward. You know, we all have different rewards and different things that sort of uh, give us the the endorphins and what have you. You know, like you say, I've got two small children and watching them playing football at the weekend and scoring a goal or or swimming for the first time and diving off a, a, a thing. There's, there's all different things that give you that that peace of mind that what you're doing is the right thing. It's not necessarily the thing that's going to earn you the most money, but it's also the right thing. And I think for me, giving back to the industry and um showing these these new fresh-faced individuals a route and how to get into the industry and helping them connect to different people through social media and introducing them to different people through my network to help them just get that foothold get them get them on that first rung at least is 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 the reason why I do it basically um that's the mentoring piece and then on top of that as well um, I'm also a member of the Yorkshire Cybersecurity Cluster, which is aimed at basically um, building the cyber ecosystem across the UK. There are a couple of different clusters regionally up and down the UK. And what we're all doing in collaboration is, is literally trying to uh, boost the, the cybersecurity ecosystem throughout the UK. The rest of the world looks towards the UK for a lot of steerage on cybersecurity. We, we seem to be one of the front runners of it. But there are still a lot of organizations that struggle with cybersecurity that fall foul of malware attacks and, um, um, you know, hacks and, and whatever else out there. So as much as we can try and spread the word that mainstream media and others aren't spreading as much as they should be is, again, one of those reasons to try and boost the, um, the cybersecurity stance in the ecosystem within the UK. Uh, and again, one of the reasons why I kind of work with Yorkshire Cybersecurity Cluster for that front. So I've got a question in, in regards to that. I mean, one of the things we spoke to Chase Cunningham about was it used to be that large companies had large budgets and they could fix problems. Mm -hmm. And then you had the smaller companies that didn't have the money. And therefore, they became targets because everything's connected now. You've got supply, yeah, supply chain. chain. So you've got yeah, little <laughs> companies at the bottom 
And I don't, I don't necessarily mean to say little, but you've got smaller companies that have got smaller budgets. So you've got or, these or huge... big companies that have only got small budgets for cyber. Yeah. So you've got yeah. these massive multinational companies that are putting money in and they think they've locked the door, but then there's a tunnel, there's that supply chain. So I really think it's quite, it's quite interesting that we, we, well, not interesting, but we need to work with everybody. We mm. need to work with the younger generation, the school leavers, the people at school when they're in school. We need to talk about people when they're at university so mm -hmm. that everyone becomes aware that when they start in a business, that they're aware of what cyber means. Because, yes, I've worked in corporates. John's worked in corporates. We've tried to train people and understand cyber. But afterwards, after when they don't necessarily understand what those risks are. So if you well, explain to people what the risks are when they're younger or in a smaller environment, I mean, that's at least my opinion. Yeah, I think I think as well, the other thing that's um, kind of um, skirted around or not talked about enough is that it's everybody's responsibility. You know, um, a lot of people think, oh, um, particularly in the IT uh, security management roles that I've seen, these guys have a responsibility to the business to make sure that the business is secure. And as part of that, they will create like user awareness training to make sure that the users are aware that they aren't supposed to click on the links when they get it on their inbox. Uh, you know, that they're not supposed to go to websites that they're not supposed to go to on their work machines, um, all that kind of good stuff. But it's all very work centric and people being people, they go, oh, this is my works machine. This is my works machine, my works laptop, my works internet, my works this, my works that. I shouldn't do this on that. But they'll get a Gmail account to their mobile phone and will quite happily click on the spam that comes in from wish.com. You know, it's that it's that understanding that actually, even if you're clicking on that link from wish.com on your mobile phone, that mobile phone becomes infected. You walk into your company and all of a sudden attached to your corporate Wi-Fi boom, you're potentially infecting your company. But the thought pattern doesn't extend as far as everybody should be doing it all the time. Your house, your personal, your company, everything is all cyber-related now. And who knows what the fridge is ordering these days, right? But it's all it's, it should be cyber-first all the time because we're all connected. We're all technologically driven these days. iPads, laptops, mobile phones, Switch devices and Xboxes, PlayStations included, because we're inclusive that way. But people need to understand that it is a broader spectrum that they should be maintaining a good cyber hygiene posture across, not just this is my work stuff. So, John, I'm aware that I've asked all the questions. Was there anything <laughs> whilst you've been trying to translate Yorkshireman into American, if there's anything you want to ask? <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to go back to, you mentioned, uh, you, you know, your mentoring and coaching of people coming up in the industry and, and how you want to kind of give them uh, some of the cheat codes uh, that uh, will help them be successful in their trajectory and in, in this career. Um, can you dive in to this a little bit and, and mention uh, maybe three of the top uh, cheat codes that you, you recommend to these folks that you're, you're mentoring and working with? Um, yeah. Okay. So top three recommendations. Um, talk to everybody is number one. 
as introverted as you might be, talk to everybody. Because you never know when you'll cross, uh, your, your paths might cross again. Also, you're going to learn something. I don't care if it's just that that individual likes a specific kind of coffee brand, but you're going to learn something in every single conversation that you have with, with people. Um, and again, um, one of the, the, the sort of phrases that I've lived by over the last two years is um, it's about who you know, not what you know. So you've got to get out there. You've got to have those conversations. Um, second to that, I'd say get to events. Go and face-to-face with these people. Again, what you'll do is you'll have the conversations. Um, you'll then meet these people, and you'll find out that they're completely different to what you expected them to be. And, you know, you, you actually find out their finer points of their personalities. And this is this is from somebody trying to break into the industry. You still need to understand who it is that you need to impress going forward. And you're only going to be able to do that realistically by, by actually meeting them. I think the pandemic's given us a great vehicle for um, virtual events like this, where you can get to know each other through a screen. And that's where I'm saying, you know, talk to everybody that you ever come across, but it does give a separate um, because you're still talking to a pane of glass. You, you're not seeing the, the dilation of pupils, the, 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 the body language potentially that you normally would if you were sitting directly opposite each other. And there's a great thing about being able to shake hands. That contact makes us human. And if you, again, as an individual coming into the industry are talking to people, but you're interacting with people and you're actually having that interaction on a human level, it does separate you a lot of the time from the competition that you might be up against trying to get that specific job, right? Um, and then lastly, and this is most importantly, kind of comes back to the first point of talk to everybody, networking. And I know that the, the talking and the going to events is networking, but what I'm talking about is social media networking. Uh, build your brand as an individual. I've said this to a couple of um, uh, students recently, a, a couple of talks I've been at, and building your own personal brand and showing you for who you are and what you can do again, in this hyper-competitive um, workspace at this point in time, is going to push you out of that bracket to being the creme de la creme, the one percenters, the, the ones who have been seen previously and are known before you leave university almost. You, you know, you, I, you could do it earlier and earlier and earlier because the, 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 this wave of people that are coming up is, is becoming bigger and bigger. But the sooner you can start delving into this industry the sooner you can start building your brand and your personal knowledge base and your connection base and all that kind of stuff the better result you will have coming into the industry so i'd be curious to know if i mean i've met you i've met you face to face in fact the first time i met you was face to face and you come across as a really honest person and I've come across people that have built a brand that isn't necessarily built on that same foundation. And I won't name any names, um, but there's definitely the real world you and what I see on LinkedIn is you. But equally, I've seen LinkedIn people that when you meet them face to face, you're like, are you even the same person? So for me, honesty is pretty critical and i think 
getting into an industry, no matter what age you are, whether you're coming into cyber as, as out of university or whether you're trying to break in at some point later in your career, I still think there needs to be a level of, yeah, a level of honesty. You, you need to be, um, and John, I don't know what you think about that, but it, it, yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, genuineness is, is the word that comes to mind yeah. for me. Uh, you know, if, if you represent yourself on social media as, you know, uh, an A and you're actually, you know, more of a Z, um, that's, there's going to be a strong disconnect there when, when people meet you in real life and they're not gonna, uh, you might break down the, the trust barrier there. And, and, uh, especially if you're within sales, um, that doesn't come across well. And, and similarly in, uh, in the enterprise space too, you've got to match, you know, what is online with, with who you are as a person. So, um, genuineness is, is I the think, word I, think, I would use. Uh I think you touched on a really good one. Uh, another word there that I would, I would back to the hilt, and that's trust. Uh, this is um, this industry is hugely paranoid, right? We've got all sorts of threats out there that are trying to break into networks, trying to get onto your network, trying to steal your data. We talk about threat actors all the time. We talk about um malicious this and that and the other and and the ransomware and threats and uh, the, all the horrible connotation all the negative connotations so what you don't want to be is adding fuel to that fire by um potentially uh, causing damage to your own brand by being disingenuous um by not being trustworthy by showing some fakeness about yourself saying that you're you're one thing and then when somebody meets you in person you're completely another that's that's never going to build the trust that you need in this industry to be able to talk um, adequately at the right level about security and cyber in general, because it is a it's a tinfoil wearing hat paranoid <laughs> individual that you 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 you're there against. You know? I, I think to be honest that that leads us really nicely into the whole kind of reason why I got you on the podcast because I. I happened to see a post on LinkedIn, Soapbox post, where you talked about zero <laughs> trust, and we 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 go back to trust and, and cyber trust. Now, we've done stuff on our podcast. We've spoke to John Kinderver, we've spoke to Chase Cunningham. We've gone back to kind of the idea of of zero trust and why it started. I'd really like to not get into an argument, but let's have a little bit of, of a debate about your opinion on zero trust. So I think my opinion on zero trust is um, it's, a, it's a two part thing. It's a two part thing. And it's, it's, I suppose, maybe almost contradictory, which doesn't help in an argument because I'm now arguing with myself. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think that the zero trust on devices makes sense, particularly with IoT coming into play and whatever you like that, right? So my fridge all of a sudden being on the network, no, don't talk to the network until we figured out that you're on the right patch levels and the right security levels and blah, 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 makes complete sense. But I think again, because of the negativity that kind of comes with our industry, and typically we also point the finger at the Mark One squishy interface that's still at the front end of the PC, um, you know, the, the human basically, um, I think that there is always connotation that zero trust should be extended to staff as well now. And I think I think that there needs to be a change because if you don't trust your staff, 
then over time, your staff will also lose trust in you because you aren't giving them the opportunities, you aren't giving them the responsibilities. What it does is it, it sort of breeds a, a mistrust across the board, you know, that staff mistrust the, the distrust the, the, the uh, company and the company doesn't trust the, the employees as well and so on and so forth. And, and so I think there should be an element that says, actually, you've been taken on board for a role specifically you know we trust you to to do your job and access the things that you need to do your job without any any fear um and i just think that the, the zero trust model is being spread now more so to and again because we're all working from home and all the pandemic and who's got access to what no let's lock it all down first well you know what i think i think that there's probably very few people that spoils it for the majority and more people are actually probably more trustworthy than than not. So you're saying zero trust as a a marketing problem. Um, I think the concept is very valid, but uh, saying zero trust to an employee base uh, in an enterprise uh, gives it a negative connotation in a sense. And I think that's what you're getting to. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think that would be right. Yeah, the. Um, the overuse of it outside of its original intention. Um, and, and hey, you know, um, maybe we could have just come up with a better name. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I think the, the the negativeness of it, and again, because we, we live in this uh, paranoid industry, um, it very quickly then kind of pushes down to the humans. Um, and yeah. Again, coming back to the, the, the messaging of it all, um, I think that the people should be trusted more so with their jobs. You know, we all talk about it being that humans and, and people are actually the weakest link in the business. Well, they're actually the strongest asset for the business because without them, nothing is going to work. You know, you can't automate everything. So maybe we need to give back to, to the industry and give back to businesses and give that responsibility back a little bit more and, and stop using the negativity all the time. Yeah, I think it actually starts a little bit earlier than that. Um, we've been talking a little bit about the concept of digital citizenry, where basically at a young age, uh, people are brought up to understand, hey, you know, you don't click on that link or uh, you, you need to be uh, aware of, of situations within cyberspace that uh, are negative and uh, you know how do, how do you defend yourself and and what are some things to be on the watch for um, I think that's it, it almost is almost like a, a subject in school maybe it's it's a language mm -hmm. uh, similar to you know when I was growing up it was you know what are you going to learn Spanish French German so on and so forth um, there probably needs to be something similar in, in schools these days as these kids are coming up because life uh, is if you think about IT, IT came out of a need for a business to automate itself, much like machines of the steam age. Um, that is now extended into just about every piece of our fabric of life, uh, the commercialization of technology. Uh, and in order to have these kids that are coming up, my daughter, my son, uh, they need to be aware of what is, you know, good cyber hygiene, how to be a good uh, citizen in a sense. Um, I think that's that's where it needs to start, but uh, it, it obviously needs to extend now into the enterprise too. Um, maybe that's maybe that's what we're talking about here. 
Yeah. Have a look at somewhere like, is it Estonia? Estonia, yeah, um, yeah. Where they are now like pretty much completely digital. You know, um, they've embraced it in its entirety. And then um, you take into consideration the changes that had to be implemented because of the pandemic. And those changes were implemented overnight. They were pushed out and everybody just went, yeah, we'll adopt that. Because they're used to adopting um, those new technologies and new ways of working and uh, and it all being pushed back to, they've learned it from a young age going forward. Um, and it's a trust that they both trust the technology and the tr technology trusts them in essence, you know, and it's a, it's a two way street. Um, I mean, I, I think, I think this comes down to communication and education. I mean, I, I believe in the philosophy of zero trust. I believe that if you look at lands and wands, people can go anywhere and go and, and do whatever they like. And that's not to say maliciously. There's very few attacks, I believe, that are that can get in if you've got no trust. And therefore, for me, the concept is a good mm. one because it's a it, it is about taking access away for things that you shouldn't do. So I get the concept of that, but the fact we call it zero trust is all right within the IT and security community because we understand what it means. But that term trust is a difficult mm. one. And therefore, if we educate people that this isn't to stop you doing things, and I think security has always got a bit of a bad name because you've always passwords came <laughs> along and then suddenly people have passwords. It's not an enabler. It's, about... it's not an enabler, that's for sure. <laughs> no. So, so you need to be really, really careful if you are going to go down this kind of zero trust implementation route, which whatever tool you buy that you don't accidentally remove access from people that should have it. But at the moment, if you are at home and you get compromised, your device is what you shouldn't trust. Like you need to make sure that you are trusted as a person, your device is trusted, but it's the unusual stuff that isn't because inside of threat and ransomware and all of these things are only able to do the things they do if there's trust in the system. But that doesn't mean to say so. I, I mean, I, I agree with you that the term isn't great. We we need to educate people why we are changing the way we've done things in the past. And maybe we don't refer to them as not trusting them. It's more a case of you will get exactly what you need to do your job. We trust you to do your job. We trust you to get access. And if you need access outside of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis because it changes, we'll give you that access. We like to refer to it as adaptive trust, but actually I don't think it's the zero or the adaptive bit that people hear. It's the trust yeah, part. And I, I, I think as hear. well when you say zero trust, it's, it's a negative connotation. Adaptive trust also gives you a hint that it could be taken away from you, that you can have the trust removed. It's adaptive. It works both ways. It goes up and down. Um, whereas, you know, I was thinking... Well, you take zero trust from a device perspective, that's fine. It's a machine. Um, you know, we all fear for the day when AI takes over. Um, but maybe from a human perspective, we talk about um, individual cyber trust. The cyber trust comes into play. It's, it's, it's not taking a negative. What we're saying is individual cyber trust is, is the, um, the flip side of the coin. 
talking about how we trust individuals in cyber, not taking a zero or an adaptive yeah. trust model to say, depending on what you do, we'll adapt it to fit your model. No, no, no. We say, well, you're an individual who has cyber trust. I, I actually think that over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, what we refer to as zero trust is going to become the norm. The networks are going to change. People are going to be given access to only things they need access to. And the younger generation that would have grown up with it being the norm will no longer have a problem with whatever it's called, because as long as they can do what they want to do on a daily basis, it won't matter. We just have to be careful in the next five to 10 years that we don't continue to portray security as being something that hinders you. I think as well, the other thing that you've got to be very careful of is um, in that sort of scenario, particularly where everybody's working from home, you are shoeboxing people into specific roles, uh, not nurturing potential new talent who wants to um, uh, migrate from sales into accounting or accounting into design or design into procurement or whatever because they see an interest in that we're all working from home these days and nobody has access primarily to be able to just walk down the corridor and go oh, what are you guys doing you know so i think that there's going to be that i mean that's a whole different problem maybe in itself um that we are siloing people and we're going to end up with a robotic set of workforces in the younger generation coming through that go this is what I do. This is my job. That's what I want to do. And then I'm going to leave my job and then I'm going to go back on TikTok and Twitter. Um, and 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 that be it. I think it's I think it's I think it's a dangerous time. I think it's a dangerous time from that perspective. Because we are potentially going to lose a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of leads on to kind of slowly wrapping up this podcast because. We always ask people at the end, as we're, as we're starting to get near the end, to, to give us like some tippets of information on how people should kind of get in. And we've talked briefly a little bit about that because of your mentoring, your coaching. Um, but I'd be curious, if you were giving yourself advice today and you were, say, a school leaver or, or a college leaver or university leaver or whatever path you took, because I think the path doesn't matter if you're interested in what you're doing, um, what advice would you give yourself if you were trying to break in now? Because one of the things that we're going to talk about in future podcasts is we're trying to educate businesses on hiring the right talent. And the reason we're trying to do that is because we get told every day that there's cyber burnout. We get told that there's not enough resources to go around, that there's not enough people wanting to get in. But certainly I've seen on LinkedIn and and through networks and by people talking to people like you, that there doesn't appear to be a shortage of talent. There seems to be a little bit of a conflict of interest that people don't want to hire that talent. <laughs> I don't know why, um, but I'd be interested from your point of view, how you think a candidate or no, just what advice would you give yourself if you were trying to get yeah, into that? Just to touch on the subject of, um, of, of, the the talent pool as it stands at the moment and there being this shortage of um people wanting you know shortage in the industry and you're right there isn't what there is is there's a gap currently with those that are leaving universities and those that are the mature individuals in the industry there's a, there's a shortfall in between somewhere where we don't have these um sort of like um experienced juniors to fill that gap 
everybody's either fresh, fresh out of university, no experience, or they are five, six, seven year experienced senior veterans. Now there's a, there's a, there's a middle gap somewhere. Um, and nobody knows how to fill that gap just right now. Um, because it, it's, it's weird. You need to have the experience to be able to get the job, but you can't get the experience without having the job. And it's that continuous loop. Um, what I would tell myself, run. No. <laughs> Just don't do it. No. Um, genuinely, um, what I would tell myself, and I, I've thought about this quite a bit over the last couple of years, to be fair, um, as a, as a question that I question myself to do just even in my day to day today still as well. And that is don't always follow the rules. Um, don't follow the rules. Don't, don't do what everybody else is doing. Don't follow the sheep. Think about what's been asked of you and find an alternative way of doing it. Um, yeah, if you see something that says you've got to go to gate A, what's wrong with gate B? What's going on over there? Um, don't follow the rules. Not 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 too strictly. I mean, there's there's certain subsets where you have to follow the rules. Don't get me wrong, but in general, question question the rules. Try and find an alternative way. Um, one of the things I've found um, massively frustrating is having conversations around marketing and stuff like that over the last couple of years when when using LinkedIn, for example. And if you follow their rule set, you may get some success. But by kind of not following the rule sets, you will have more success. And I've seen that actually happen. Um, so don't follow the rules. Not all of them, anyway. Pick and choose what rules are going to work for you. <laughs> but don't do anything illegal. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's definitely an interesting one. I mean, I had some advice 15 or 20 years ago from somebody that said your work persona should be different than your private persona. And you've both met me. I've ignored that. <laughs> I mean, I am the same inside work as I am outside of work. And I think that's been a benefit for me but equally the rules i'm not i'm not very good with rules i mean i'm one of those people that like to push the envelope is the best way of saying it i mean if the rules are a strict rule and i go to prison for it i adhere to them <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong um before anybody brings <laughs> me up um but i always like to not just be a sheep and not just follow the norm because that's where i think mm. we learn in that area so john one final thing before we yeah Actually, I don't have one. So <laughs> um, I was going to double down on what you just said. I, I think it, it comes back to being genuine. It comes back to being a human. Uh, and and those are the traits that uh, help you succeed. Uh, you know, in terms of genuineness, it, you touched on one of the topics uh, earlier around um, how people perceive you. And uh, that's to be genuine and to be trustworthy is is absolutely a critical trait to have and an or to have around you, uh, whether that's in a sales meeting or, uh, you know, if you're on the enterprise side like Jay and I were and, and you had to present to a board. Because in both of those situations, uh, whether or not that person on the other side, uh, you know, has deep knowledge into cybersecurity or IT, um, they have the ability to smell fear and, and smell when things are misaligned. 
and they will nail you to the wall uh, really quickly. Uh, and I've seen it happen in, in boardrooms uh, where that person is, you know, presenting on a on a technical topic, and um, they get uncomfortable. They dive into their tech talk and uh, you know try to outsmart that person on the other side. They can see through that, and the same is is in you know is true of a sales. Uh, situation as well. So, uh, you know, in terms of your recommendations, I, Alex, I, I think you're dead on it. it you've got to be a human, you've got to be genuine, and you've got to bring across to that, uh, that respectability and, and, and not, uh, not take the two and, and, and make them uh, diverse. 100%. So I'd like to thank you, Alex, for coming on. Uh, it's been great. It's always good to see you. Always good to talk to you. Uh, thank you for your advice and thank you for your comments. No, um, and hopefully our, our listeners will enjoy. Yeah, this absolute pleasure being here. Thanks for the invite, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, please give the Edge a like and a follow on your favorite podcast service. And also connect with the SSC Forum on LinkedIn. Get all the latest updates and news on the phenom known as the Security Service Edge.